Welcome, you're listening to the rest of the sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. All right, guys, welcome back to the rest of the sermon. We appreciate your patience with us as we haven't been dropping weekly episodes, but one of the things that I'm really excited about is that we have had special guests on on these past couple of weeks. But before we do that, man, we've had some exciting times in the life of Westside. At the beginning of the month, on December 5th, we had our Kids Side at Westside Christmas program, and it was incredible. So shout out to our new family director, Miss Nikki Mauser. They absolutely did a fantastic job and they told us what Christmas was all about and Christmas is all about Jesus. It was a beautiful time. Um, We are right smack dad in the middle of Advent. So last week we talked about joy and the pursuit of it. And this week I am really excited. We are diving in to the concept and topic of peace And man, I tell you what, everything, I would describe um, our world in a number of ways, and peaceful would not be one of them. But one of the things we do is we look at what did it mean and what does it mean that God became a human being in the person of Jesus Christ. And so this Sunday, we're going to be looking at peace. And so if that intrigues you in any way, shape, or form, please uh, tune in to the live stream at 10 a.m. or come out to our in-person gathering. And then the last announcement is on uh, this Sunday, we will be taking up our God's Money uh, capital campaign offering. So every time this time of year, we sort of take up a financial offering as a church when it comes to year-end giving, because Christmas is all about giving, not in the worldly sense, but in the for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so we celebrate that um, this time every single year. And so we are taking up our God's Money Capital Campaign. That goes towards uh, the remodel of the church, and we are in phase two two of that remodel, which is completely and 100% all of the kids' side area. So the kids' side, the nursery, and all of that. I said this on Sunday, and it was really cool. There were more kids on that stage that were literally singing Christmas carols than there were votes for me to be pastor seven years ago at Westside. So if you're asking if God is doing anything in our kids' ministry and through the life of the church, the answer is yes. And we always say this, the best ROI, the best return on your investment is to invest into the kingdom of God. So be praying as a family, be praying with your kids, be praying as an individual as to what God is going to be leading you to give this Sunday, and we will be taking up that offering. Enough of the announcements. I am so excited about our guest on the show today. We have Mr. Matt Reynolds, who is the executive director of the Grace Churches. Matt is an incredible guy, by far one of the most handsome men that I've ever known in my entire (laughs) life. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome Mr. Matt Reynolds. Matt, how are you, buddy? Hey, I'm good, Jason. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Thanks for, uh, for having me, Westside Church. 
Yeah, dude. yeah, dude, we're excited. Matt's got to come down and spend uh, a lot of time with our church family, uh, specifically our leaders, as we were in this adoption process. And officially now, man, um, a Grace Family Church, bro. It's a beautiful thing to say, Matt. Yeah, I love it. Love telling people about the uh, the cousins in Missouri that we're connected <laughs> with, man. <laughs> It's See, <laughs> I love it. So, so you guys in Atlanta talk about the cousins in Missouri, and when you're in Missouri, you talk about your cousins in Arkansas. So it's all in the family, man. It's all in the family. Good. Hey, Matt, tell us a little bit um, about yourself, man, about marriage, um, family, um, what you do, how you came to know Jesus. If we're riding in an elevator and we're going to the yeah. tent, and we're in, going to the tenth floor, we're on the first floor. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Matt. Yeah, it's good. <clears throat> yeah, I grew up here in uh, in Atlanta, and um, kind of grew up in the church, but then then left it, and I really left it because I was going, man, I want to figure out the meaning of life, and I just didn't think it was in there. Yeah. Um. And so, you know, ran into Young Life, and that was kind of a a ministry that impacted me, and I came to faith through a Young Life camp. I went two years in a row, but but I had really had this profound experience the second year, and that kind of, you know flipped my life on and it went from black and white to color. I mean, it just started to make sense. And Beautiful. so was led to go to uh, Clemson university and that's in South Carolina, you know, and we, apparently we just won the um, soccer championship. So we just okay. kind of mixed that up this year. We didn't do anything. In football. <laughs> hey man, we won soccer. The other football is what some text threads I'm on were saying, but um, Clemson was, was awesome. That's where I met my wife uh, through Young Life. We were both leaders, uh, Young Life leaders at a new school. And so we just kind of met even doing ministry and then started this house church, you know, in our apartment. We didn't even know it was called house church. We just gathered some people and just said, hey, let's go after God. And I love it. Figure out what our gifts are. Yeah. And so people are like, is this a church? I'm like, no, no, it's not a church. You know, go to your churches, but this is something, but it kind of was, you know, church and saw a lot of cool fruit. And then really what brought us back to Atlanta was I was like, man, I want to marry my wife, this girl. I, I got to have money just to talk to her dad so I can like, you know, marry her. So I got offered this job at Grace where I'd been going to church. It was just one Grace church at the time. And they're like, Hey, our college ministry is dying, you know, come take it over. And I was like, okay, I got an offer. I'm going to get some money. I'm ready. Now I can go have, here we go. Here we, I love it, man. I didn't, I didn't negotiate. I didn't ask much. I just said, all right, let's roll. I love it. That was like the only job I ever got offered. This is good. This is really good marriage (laughs) advice for any single guys that are listening. Step one, if you want to marry that young lady is you get a paying job. I love it, dude. I love (laughs) it. Good. Yeah. And, you know, so we kind of came down here and then, um, and then did the college ministry for a couple of years. And then there was a church downtown. So Grace, the first church is kind of in the suburbs outside of Atlanta and a church downtown called and said, Hey, you know, we're struggling to reach the next generation. You know, can you guys help us out? And so they had started to work with that church and basically kind of replanted it. Um, and I was involved a little bit, but after doing college ministry for a couple of years, we felt this kind of thing of, hey, we, we want to go plant a church. We want to start something new. We want to get a community going. Yeah. And that's when um, the founder at the time, the guy who discipled me, Buddy Hoffman, founder of Grace, said, hey, why don't you go take over the downtown church? You know, it needs a pastor. It needs to be a real church. And if you can't, this was, this is literally what he said. You'll like this, Jason. He said, 
if you if you guys can't make this church grow, you don't need to go plant a church anywhere. <laughs> and so hey, it was kind of I a free it. try. It yes. was kind of a free try. Like, don't raise all this money and move to some other city and recruit all these people. Like, here's an opportunity right here. You know, and if you're doing it right, it should grow. Wow. You know, and, and that's what we did, man. We went down there. We, we, we got a bunch of house churches that were connected all these college campuses. We kind of made this like the hub. And the whole idea was, you know, how do we just equip people and send them out into their sphere, into their campus, into yeah. their life? And, um, and then we were just preaching pretty hard. You know, we were just, you know, had all experienced kind of this personal revival in different ways so we were just sharing those stories and those testimonies and we did i mean it was we saw like a mini revival you wow. know similar to what you're saying where when you came there were less people who voted for you the number of kids on yeah. the stage like it was just this multiplying thing and all these young adults all these college students really finding um home and and really experiencing the power of the spirit you know just through wow. worship or through relationships and the house church just started forming all that kind of stuff. And so that's where we started, man. That was kind of our ministry journey and then and started, you know, planting some churches and stuff out of that place. So I know this is more than the No, dude, the I love it, man. We're on the thirty first floor now. I love it. Know. No, dude, it's good. Hey, so tell me about um how long have you been married? What's your wife's name? Kids, all that stuff. Yeah, so yeah, so Martin and Margaret have been married this this year. September of this year will be 15 years. So wow. Are cool. you guys doing anything yeah. cool for the 15? Yeah. So our friends are really good friends that we lived across the an apartment from as a, right when we got married, it was like a, uh, where one of these refugee relocators were, we lived in this community kind of as a, as a missional expression and we were really good friends. And so we just kind of bonded in that early year first year of marriage and we've kind of done life we get our christmas trees with them every year it's one of our <laughs> yeah longest, dude like, i traditions. love it so we're going to spain with them because we're, it'll both be our 15 year and uh, they were on staff at grace for a long time and we've just been talking about this because they kind of yes. had a uh they one of them studied abroad and so we've always wanted to go so never been to spain love europe and and so we'll hopefully get to do that this fall love it and kiddos how many kids yeah, three kids, three boys. So it's just full on crazy pandemonium, dude. Yeah, Jude. Jude is uh, is nine, almost ten. He's in fourth grade. Caleb is seven. He's in second grade. And Emmett is our youngest. He's three years old. So he's he's just dude. Uh, you guys are party. You guys are right there. We've got ten, seven, gonna be eight, and five, gonna be six. And so you're yeah. you got yeah, man. We're <laughs> Now I remember when you told me your spread, I was like, "Oh yeah, you you know how it is." And yeah, four is just another level. I just I still respect. Well, I couldn't get there. I could not make it. I know, dude. I know for sure. All, 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 I only had grace for three. Yes. Hey, <laughs> hey, listen. I want to back up really quick because we've got some. Um, you know, West Side has got people in the phase of life that you were talking about that you ministered to. So in Popper Bluff, Popper Bluff is kind of hometown for everybody. They leave and go to college and then realize, oh no, I need to get a job. And so they come back to Popper Bluff, you know, with their education and their degree. And we've got a lot of people who are parents of that age demographic, you know, senior in high school or in college or young adult. And that was obviously a very monumental season in your life. And so what is it just a word of exhortation to either people that are in that season of life and they're in and out of this church thing 
in and out of this Jesus thing and not fully committed. They're kind of on the fence. What I mean, somebody who has spent so much time around kids and young adults that age and you really walking life and living life with them, what's something that you would say to somebody that's in their 20-somethings, early 30-somethings? Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing quick for the parents. I mean, I think it's so so powerful just to be praying for mm. their kids. I mean, I've heard that story so many times where it's like the prayers of like a mother just chased down the kid, you yep. know? And yep. in my case, I found out there was this whole community even praying for that young life kind of weekend that was transformational for me. And then I met a bunch of those people and now wow. I have relationships with a bunch of those people. They're like, we remember when we just knew the name and we were praying for you guys that weekend. And so I really have seen the power of that. And again, everybody has to kind of come at their own time, but we saw this awakening happen. But I really think it, a lot of it's because the, the parents were, it's incredible. You know, just praying and investing and opening their homes and that sort of thing. But for, you know, for, for, you know, college students, young adults, I mean, again, I just, I wanted to live, man. We all wanted to live. Right? Yeah. Let's find the meaning of life. So we all did some of the, you know, party stuff and it's like, okay, that, that kind of fun first season. It's like, what's, what's, where, where's the substance? Where's the depth? Yep. And when we started going after God together, and, and now even just helping each other being like, man, what's the dream in your heart? Like, what's the God call? Like, how do I help fuel that? We started to support each other and encourage each other in that. That's when we started to see just unbelievable fun and fruit because we were just doing it together. And so that Acts 242 through 47 has yeah. been a big thing. Just like, how do we like do life together? How do we support each other? How do we go after things together? And so it really was pretty, pretty organic, but I mean, that's the thing finding if you're, if you're hungry for that, it's like find a group where there's a yep. fire burning, you no know, question. gather around that fire and keep stoking that fire and, you know, become a place that's a red hot center for others. We saw people just come into our apartment and our home and it was like, they just needed a place to land. Yep. And over time they got lit up with the same things we were excited about. And so, that's that's kind of been it. It's like, man, find some people and, and go after some stuff together. And again, I love talking about these God dreams because it's not that everybody goes into ministry, you know? Amen. It's not everybody doing the same thing. And, you know, Eugene Peterson says there's no copycats in the kingdom. You know, you read the Bible and it's like everybody has a different story, but they were trying to pursue that story. They were trying to pursue what their calling was and their community came around that. So that's really what I'd encourage people to do. Just get hungry, get after it with some people who can really support you and, and make you into a healthier, better, you know, God person instead yes. of just, you know, falling into all the traps or just being bored. I mean, that's what we saw. I, I would walk around these campuses like, dude, everyone's just apathetic. There's no yes. energy here. Yes. So we started doing these events and these gatherings just to, get people kind of excited, you know, Dude. and lit up. And so that was a big, part I love it, too. Dude. And, and those verses that you said, that's kind of the snapshot for West side gospel community mission. And so we have community groups and they're getting ready to launch at the end of this month. And one of the things that we're super intentional about is we have all different age groups. You know, we don't have groups where like the knitters and the horseback riders. And we don't do our groups that way because we want older married couples in group with young people who are dating or single college people. Mm -hmm. And the, the older people are always like, oh, I don't know what to do. What am I going to do? And it's like, live life with them. 
have them over to your house yeah. while you're getting your kids ready for bed or do because what everybody is wanting and what nobody has is a picture of what they're desiring. And so these single people or these dating people are like, man, you know, I either come from a broken home or I don't know what a home looks like that loves and is centered around Jesus. And so I wholeheartedly amen. It's just that living life with people, man. And and yeah. I know I know that's a buzzword, but in reality, it really is that simple of just being intentional right. and, and living life. Well, yeah, and you're just, just breaking it down even like real practical, what that looks like. I, I can remember going into some people's homes just because I saw something in them. I was like, hey, can I, I was, you know, young believer, hey, can I meet with you? I just saw something in the sky or this family. Can I just, I just wanted to learn, hear their stories, like yep. learn how they got to where they are. Like just, they seem like a fruitful couple or family yep. this person seems like they really enjoy their job like you know what tell me how did you get there and, and so they would just bring us in you know make coffee you know just hospitality just host us yes that you know no one feels really listened to and feels like their space created for them so i i try to do that too and it's so simple I, but, but to be real practical what does that mean to live life it's like someone comes over to our house it's like i'm gonna ask them like i'm gonna make you some coffee you know i'm gonna get you some kind of yeah man some kind of snack some kind of thing yes. and then just being present like that is the event the person being there is the event the conversation is the event you know mm, that's good friends yeah when our old friends from college come in town that we did this house church with and they're all over the country doing their own stuff now when they come in town i think the event is sitting down and just talking together. Yeah, it's like we don't need to good. go do a bunch of stuff we're not watching a bunch of stuff we're not even reading through a bunch of stuff man it's cool what are you learning but it's really just having those conversations i love um, it dude that's beautiful man so and anybody can do that anybody can do that yep. and i just even even people in our neighborhood like friends that i've i've met and they'll come over and we'll pull out all the stuff the chocolates or i don't know if it's a late night you know do a little whiskey thing every once in a while right. you know they just love like wow there's an intentional space created for me. I just think that's so I great. love it, dude. And, don't and I love the takeaway. The takeaway is the person is the point. And, you know, that's, yeah. I, you know, yeah. I love it, man. I that's love the it. Event. Yeah. I love it. That's yeah. good. Now, break down for me. Our people obviously know, but it's good to, to remember and rehearse being a part of the Grace family of churches. Can you give us, uh, you know, Matt, uh, just a little bit of a snapshot is what is this grace movement and and what is the grace family of churches, kind of the origin, and what does it look like today? And, I mean, you don't have to give us the line-by-line timeline, but just, you know, just kind of the cliff notes on this, man. Yeah, the quick, the short version, I mean, probably similar to what's going on with you guys. There's one church, a lot of uh, youth and next generation, and... um, and so discipleship was just happening um, for years. And then those people eventually kind of grew up and, and caught a heart for, um, you know, what does it look like to go into business and all that stuff? But some people were like, hey, how do I, how do I, you know, be in ministry? Could we plant some churches? And so mm. it really just came out of years of discipleship. People are living in Buddy and Jody's house. You know, they recruited wow. people, come, you know, live with us. Like Now tell us that's, really that's quickly— Tell us who's this buddy guy? Yeah, so buddy, yeah, buddy and Jody meet, you know, in I guess Bible college. He goes out to Boise to plant a church, which at the time was was almost 100 percent 
Mormon and um, just felt called to go out there. And people were like, it's not going to work. You're not going to be able to do it. And they just went out there. They just went out there with wow. like barely any money. And they just wanted to see if it could happen. I love so it. they did that. They had that whole experience, built up this great church. Then he has kind of this, this dream one night. I don't know all that went around it. I'm sure there was some other pulls, but basically in this dream, there's a sense. Go back to Atlanta, go back to your home and start a church. They come back here. That was in 1983. And I was, I was born in 1983. So it's kind of cool. I always think about it. They were, they were planning a church for people who were like not even born yet. Ooh, <laughs> come on, I mean? man. Preach. And, preach. Uh, and so they do this thing. And again, it was small. I didn't, I didn't come in and interact with it until high school, but you, you had all these young people that had kind of been discipled and these people were living in um, their basement. And those were like the youth pastors and the young life leaders. So my young life leader, Brian Krozik, who's one of the pastors now of another Grace Church, they were just there, you know, being poured into, and then they were doing that for other people. And so what happened was you had this huge kind of group of leaders that were just stuffed into this one place. And the great thing about raising up leaders is they want to lead stuff, yep. you know? Yes. And so that's, that's where I was. That ties back in our story. It's like, hey, we've done college ministry for a couple of years. We've seen some really good stuff happen. we got a great group, but we're feeling a pull for more. We're feeling a pull to multiply. And so that's what happened with Grace. Instead of going mega, I mean, it was two to 3,000 people there. It was, it was a mega church. But instead of going mega, mega, like, let's build this out and make the auditorium. God, you know, kind of led them to multiply. Yeah, so dude. They go mega. I remember. Multiply. I remember hearing the story that they had the blueprints on the wall. They were getting ready to build the multi-million-dollar behemoth, and Buddy comes in, and and for anybody listening. Buddy Hoffman, God just graced him with this personality and this candor of just being raw and real and just a very unique personality. And he comes into the elders meeting. I mean, they're like getting ready to almost sign. Like, I mean, we're going this direction. And he's like, does anybody have a hundred percent peace about this? And then the elders sort of just kind of start speaking up like, I, you know, I, I don't know. And then from that moment forward, sort of births the Grace family of churches. And the reason why that's so significant is because, bro, that decision that was made in that elders meeting, there would be no West Side of Grace Family Church. If they went the route of like yeah. this behemoth, this one mega thing, and not multiplication, West Side's nowhere in the story. And so I just love what you're saying as well. Like they were planting a church in the 80s when I was born, and they were planting a church for people who were just being born. And I just think it's so important for our listeners just to connect the dots and know when Jesus was describing the kingdom of heaven, He's, he didn't say the kingdom of heaven is like a lion or like a like a sword or this incredible illustration. He said it's like a farmer who's just scattering mm-hmm. some seed, man. And the sun comes out and it rains. And over time, this thing grows. And I, I love that aspect of the story because they were stepping out in obedience as God revealed his will to them. And now today... Westside is reaping the benefits of a decision like that. Yeah, it's it's just yeah, incredible. And, and, and you know what Jody would say today because she's still she's still with us. Buddy passed in 2017, um, but um, but Jody's still here, and she said, you know, we they felt like they were supposed to do something a little bit different, you yeah. know, and it was based on discipleship and it was based on teaching the Bible, 
and then worship became a big part and then missions became a big part. These things kind of got, you know, added on as they went on the journey, yeah. but they didn't go kind of the Baptist route, which was that, that, that was like the thing you would do in the South. Yep. Right. Yep. And they didn't do it because they felt we're supposed to do something different. And then over time it became clear, Oh, it's like this family of churches idea. It's not a franchise. It's not, you know, a perfect replica and, and we're doing video stuff. I mean, it really was these indigenous church plans. Yes. Um, but that would stay connected. So they would always say, like, she would say, you know, we kind of created what we longed for and what we didn't have. And that's what I think is cool about it. It's mm. like, wow, we get to offer to people what, I mean, that's what they built. They built something. They, they grew something yeah. that, you know, now is offered to people that they wish they would have had. Isn't that so, so beautiful? Isn't that how God works? And I think somebody listening to this right now, I think of Nehemiah, and I've always heard that vision is birthed out of a burden. And so you've got this married couple who is burdened for something that they don't see and then step out in faith to pursue that. And I think a lot of times, and especially, man, I'll just be honest, our generation is highly critical. We're very good at tearing things down or criticizing things or saying what's wrong and look at all this stuff that we don't have. But what if what you don't have and that burden that you have, God has placed on your heart as as sort of a dream and incubation, if you will, that's getting ready to get right. birthed? I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, so, you kind of create what you long to, to have. Yes. You know, it's like if you don't see it out there, yeah, maybe you're meant to create it. Like, what? Wouldn't it be great if there was a community like this? Or wouldn't it be great if there was a business like this or a family of churches like this? They didn't even have the words for it, you yep. know. And, yep. and that's what we did with the whole house church. Wouldn't it be great if we kind of lived life like this? And then you create that thing you long to have, and you don't always know the plan. I mean, they would say that too. Like, we didn't have this all planned out. They sure. didn't know where it was going to go. But you take that next step and you pursue that vision and that leading. And you just keep enjoying it along the way, and it just unfolds. I love you know? it. I, I love mean, it. So, so now today, Matt, what does the Grace Family of Churches look like, and what is your role in that? How do you play a part in this vision? Yes, yeah, so I'm the um, executive director. So I was I was a, the pastor at Grace Midtown, which is the second church in the family for about ten years, going on eleven years. And after Buddy passed, it was like, okay, we've got, we got, you know, we had seven churches or so at the time and we needed to figure out how do we, um, how do we do this? How do we organize this? And so that's when I started to transition into this, this leadership role. And, um, and we really can't gather around three things. I mean, it really is this next generation vision. We want to raise up next generation leaders. And yeah. so that's a huge part of what we work together to do. Um, and then we wanted to plant churches together and not just do it on our own. So that's another piece that we, that we help with. And that's what led to the adoptions really. Hey, what if we're not just planting churches? What if there's existing churches out there that want to be a part of a family? We want to be a part of them, you know? So that's kind of a second pillar that we gathered around. And then the third thing is seeing Jesus movement in the Muslim world. And that's a big thing that came out of, buddy's heart and, and, and a journey that the church went through after September 11th. And so we've got some partners, you know, across the Middle East and even in Asia yeah. um, where they're seeing these indigenous Jesus movements. So again, there's a lot of missions dollars and I'm not, I don't want to be critical here, but there's a lot of missions dollars that go kind of to the same places. Sure. You look at that whole 1040 window and it's like, man, it is so under-resourced. 
And there really is some powerful stuff happening, dreams, visions, just supernatural work of God where he's raising up these Jesus movements um, in the Muslim world. And so that's where we felt like we needed to continue to focus there. And so so I kind of help, you know, all the churches, like, let's, let's focus on those three pillars. How do we raise up good training programs for leaders? Um, how do we stay focused on these, these core missional aspects? Um, but then also just relationally staying connected. I mean, so much of it's about meeting with the pastors, you know, yeah. on our monthly Zoom calls. Or we have, you know, retreats every year. We got the summit that's coming up in January, which is kind of like a big conference time to come together and just energize ministry leaders. And then Pentecost has, has become this time for us, just the birth of the early church on the day of Pentecost. It's usually in the summer where we say, hey, what are the next kind of missional frontiers we're taking together? You know, so it's kind of a mix of Absolutely. those missional pillars, the relational connections with the pastors and leaders, and then also a couple of big events during the year just to keep moving forward together to stay connected together. And so who knows? It'll probably keep changing a little bit. Sure. You know, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, as it did in, in the book of Acts. But I'll say, I'll say this. I've talked to a number of other people who are parts of families and churches. And there's a few of these kind of all over the U S and everyone says the same thing. Like this is probably the hardest way to do it because it is relational and organic. It's not bureaucratic. It's yep. not centralized. You know, no one's telling everybody what to do. I mean, it looks like the book of Acts. So it's, it's the hardest way to do it, but it is the most beautiful. And no and, question. And it seems like the most biblical. So yeah, everybody and- says, everyone's like, don't do this, but, it is the most beautiful and it's the most biblical. It's just the hardest. Absolutely. But uh, you know, people, I would say, you know? I, I would say for us as West side, we were on such a journey for a long time before we just through God's sovereignty, you know, we had a consulting company and Hardman worked for that consulting company. And obviously Hardman's a grace pastor. So one thing led to another, but dude, we had done, um, I mean, we were a part looking at networks and denominations, and it. we had been on such a journey, and the overwhelming connection point for the leadership of Westside and for the people of Westside was the relational process of what it looked like to become a Grace Family Church. And that by far was the mark that I saw in the New Testament of, you know, the when Peter writes to the churches in Asia Minor or John's writing to the seven churches or Paul's, you know, I mean, it was always this. Oh, yeah. We get Paul and Barnabas. I mean, they did all kinds of stuff together yes. because of that relationship. Absolutely. You, know, you see Paul going on like his second missionary journey and he finds this guy, Timothy, and he's like, I think you're supposed to come with me. Yep. You know yes. what I mean? Like, yes. it was very organic, but very God directed, you know, and then, and Titus and Tim, you know, so they all had these extensions, these ministries, but it came through that relationship with, with Paul, you know, and I think that, you know, that's what we had with Buddy, you know, yes. I mean, he was pouring into us. And, but then we all had to go and do our own ministries. And so it's like, how do those, relationships stay together you know how do you stay connected to brothers and sisters where you're encouraged and you're not feeling like the weight of the world's on you and you get to learn together that i mean that really is what the family of churches is 100 you know? percent. it comes out just like you said that vision of the new testament how did they do it how were they structured how did they stay connected and so i, I love it man no That's question it. i love it dude so so matt tell me now um 
What do you see sort of in the future, you know, for the Grace family churches? What is this looking like? And, and let me tell you, man, Summit is coming up, and I don't know if Bauer told you or not, but dude, we've got close to like 30 people that are coming <laughs> to Summit, wow. brother. Yeah, dude, we've got That's our awesome. our board, our leaders, and then the people that are a part of those teams because this is really something that we've been longing for and looking for as a body of believers at Westside was a family to belong to. And so obviously they've met you guys. They've been a part of the adoption process. We voted as a church, this, that, and the other. But Summit is really going to be this thing for a lot of our leaders to see it, to really see what they are a part of. And we are just uber jazzed to be a part of it. But what's kind of the the goal for Summit? What's the vision? What's this uh, Grace Family of Churches looking like? What's the Lord doing right now in this season? Yeah, so, I mean, there's there's a lot of cool things. I mean, we come together, part of it's just um, to, to worship and just to be kind of in these big sessions together, just to reconnect, just yep. to see each other, have some moments together and so we're going to prioritize that this year especially since we haven't done this in person in two years i mean right but we had the summit thank god uh in in 2020 i guess right before the pandemic happened mm. so you know we got to bring a bunch of leaders in some of them now who are part of the grace family um so it's just a time to be together to to connect to, to worship to hear a couple like really on point messages, yeah. you know, and I know you're going to be doing a uh, part of, we're doing something different for that first main session. So you're going to be involved in that, which will be cool for Love people it. to get to know you and see you. But, but so there's kind of those big kind of, you know, sessions that are happening. And then there's these labs. We bring these labs in and, you know, just different things that we feel like people want to learn and, and, and be involved in a conversation. So there's some leadership kind of equipping training, um, there's some, you know, hearing from God stuff. There's a guy coming down from Cincinnati who's, who's birthed this ministry called Undivided about how do we bring the church together with racial reconciliation and that sort of thing. He's, he's amazing. So there's going to be one on that. So it's all these kind of learning opportunities and moments. I love it. I um, love it. Really, it's just even all the conversations that happen around that, you know, just people being in the same space yes. for a prolonged period of time. Well, it goes back to what you said. Them, uh, the people are the point. Right. Right. Yes. Asking those questions like, how are you doing? What's going on? You know, in your life, what's God doing? So we don't even know everything that's going to happen because we want to, you know, schedule some of those times in just to have coffees and meals and just to be in the same space together. So, I mean, overall, I'd say it's a, it's a learning time. It's a equipping kind of investment time. It's yeah. a relational time. But this, this one feels special because we just haven't been. Correct. Physically, in person, you know, in two years as leaders from all these different churches. I love so, it. I want to ask you this. To, when it comes yeah. to the Grace Churches um, and and this vision and this movement, why are why are you bought in? What what excites you about the future? And and I think you can even speak to the theme a little bit of Summit, probably that sort of blends in together with this. But but why are you Matt Reynolds, you know, an executive director in this, and who's really got a lot of responsibility? Why are you giving your life to this Grace family of churches in this movement? What do you believe about this? What do you see? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I mean, I think 
I mean, I've received a lot from it. So that's, that's, that's one thing. I mean, sure. it's like I've been receiving from this for, for 20 years. So you want to kind of give away what other people have done for you. Yeah. Um, I really, you know, one of the things we talk about is being rooted renegade. You know, there's something about that rooted, and that's who Buddy was, rooted renegade, you know, yep. rooted in the scripture, rooted in the community, but then renegade. Hey, what are the new missional expressions that we're going to go after? Where are the new frontiers? Where are the new places we're going to go? What are the new things that we're called to lean into? So that's kind of where my heart goes. I mean, again, I've been exploring a lot of this. Um, how do we do redemptive entrepreneurship? You know, how yeah. do we how do we see people, you know, with that kingdom mindset do business, do um, creative work kind of out there in the world? Like, how is how is God moving in those ways? So me and Hardman are actually going to do a lab together at the summit on uh, focusing on the, the, the kingdom dream, you know, and so that's kind of where my heart's been going. I love know, it. Recently is just how do we help excavate the dreams in people, you know, so that they can do their contribution to the world. And it's really mission. They're doing their mission, but it's not obligatory. It's not, well, I should do this or yeah. should serve over here. They're like, I'm burdened to do this. Like we were talking before and I need to do that. I need to create this. I need to take this risk. And so that's where I'm really leaning in. So you talked about the theme. The theme is, awaken the dream and you know the kingdom dream that's in each of us needs to be awakened you know yes. and there was a lot of disruption with COVID I'm sure you guys have talked about that but it's like wow what wake-up call do I need I mean all kinds of people are you know quitting jobs or starting new things because they're like you know I was sleepwalking I was asleep at the wheel mm, you know wow. of my life and there's this shake-up that's been happening so I've been having so many very interesting conversations with people who are going, I'm not really exactly where I'm, I'm supposed to be. God's stirring you for something more or something different. I mean, I can tell you a story of even my own sister, man. You know, she's been a teacher, you know, for years, but she um, felt like, hey, I want to start this business, this organized, organized business, help people organize their life. Yeah. We walked with her and kind of excavated that. And she's launched this thing and she's like, man, I'm making more money than I've ever made you know, to take care of her family. And then she's having fun going, you know, I didn't think the church cared about my kingdom dream. You know, I thought it was just come and do what we're doing and help us. But she's realizing, man, the church oh. is here releasing the kingdom dreams of the people, which is what Paul's talking about. Equip the saints, you know, yes. the people for the work of the ministry. So she's like, I'm in here organizing people's you know, houses and they're crying. They're like thanking me for how I'm, you know, ministering to them and blessing them. So that's just one little tidbit of the, of, of kind of the thing I've seen come out of the disruption of COVID. So I've been spending a lot of time there, you know, just, just talking to people about, Hey, how are you pursuing um, the unique work? You know, Ephesians 2.10, I'm sure Hartman talked about all this stuff too, but you know, he, he's given you a good work to do. There's a, a kind of an occupation or a unique contribution you're called to make. How do we get that working? I mean, Absolutely. I think the church is at its best when everybody's doing that thing, you yes. know, and they're going, this is the risk for me. This is the missional thing for me. I'm living into this. I'm risking it and, and everyone's doing it and supporting each other in it. So that's what I love to see. You can tell when someone's lit up. Absolutely. And, to do. 
And tell me a little you know, bit about, yeah. you know, we talked about um, the KDI, you know, obviously Hardman um, kind of told us about that dream and that vision, but that's something that you're also um, a part of, and that's something that you're giving your yeah. time and efforts to. So tell us a little bit about your role involved there at KDI. Yeah, I mean, it really goes back to, I think we were sitting in a room in like 2018 as as the great, you know, a bunch of the great pastors are having this half-day strategy thing and said, okay, what's our like, 12-year vision. It was 2030. What do we want to see? And we said we want to see rooted renegade leaders. And But we said it's not just church leaders. You know, it's not just youth pastors or worship leaders or, or lead pastors or, you know, it was like, yes, it's got to be more than that. It's in the culture. You know, we said we want to see it flood the topography of the culture. So that's where we really said we get, we're, we're, we're training kingdom leaders, you know, for every facet of business and art and entertainment. Like, we got to be we got to be in everything, you know, yes. so we don't want to settle just for the kind of church kind of sub sub market subculture. And so when we, when we did that, we came up with this word and just kind of got tossed in there of a dream factory. So we want to see a dream factory, you know, where it's an ecosystem is how I describe it. It's an ecosystem where all kinds of, you know, you got, you know, redemptive businesses, you got nonprofits, you got ministries, they're all coming to life in this place. Yes. You know, and when you take a 30,000 foot view of grace, I mean, I can sit here and tell you all the stories, but it's like, oh, that nonprofit was birthed because that person had that experience in the Middle East. And now mm. they're created a business to teach refugee women how to make, you know, bags so they can support their family or candles. Like all these businesses wow. have come out, all these nonprofits have come out of these little kingdom dreams coming to life. And so it's going, okay, how do we do that on purpose? You know what I mean? How do we, yes. how do we create an ecosystem where that kind of thing can flourish? Cause I think a lot of people walk away from the church cause they're like, Hey, I'm called to do something different. And they're just not interested in it. Absolutely. They don't know how to help me. And we're going, no, this is, this is what the church is here to do. Everyone's finding that kingdom dream and, and you need community and you need an ecosystem. You need support to release that. Um, one, one more story I'll tell you, you know, one of my favorite things when I was pastoring at Midtown was when people would come to me and go, there's this thing, I, I think I'm supposed to do it, but I'm, I'm, I'm scared or I don't know. Can you, can you talk to me about it? Can we pray through it? One guy was a veterinarian and, um, he, and he would play drums too on Sunday just to serve, but he was like, I think I'm supposed to start my own deal and branch out. And so he didn't know anything. He had to find sure. you know, a, a banker, find property. This guy went from zero dollars as his own, you know, owner of a, of a vet clinic to now, like three years later, four million dollars. He's got two or three clinics. He's got all these employees. I hear amazing stories about people who just feel ministered to and cared for by, you know, his clinic. Praise God. And it's crushing it. I'm like, dude, what if you hadn't have done that? I remember right. we were doing a campaign at the time. I know you're talking about capital campaigns. I remember sitting down with him. And he's like. Man, we want to give and we will give, but here's why I'm nervous. I'm about to like risk everything to go after this dream and I feel like I'm supposed to do it. And so I got to walk with him through some of that and I, and I say to him now, like, what if you wouldn't have done that? You know, wow. what if you wouldn't have gone for it? And he's like, it has totally changed his life. You know, I mean, this guy is having way more of an impact and he's having a lot more fun but he had to go through that journey and that risk. And so we want to create kind of an ecosystem that, you know, kingdom dream to go after those things and teach churches how they can even view their mission department yes. as 
a a kind of accelerator and a resource engine for that. So uh, you know, kind yes. of was something that started just in the heart of of grace. You know, how do we how do we be the church of the future? And um and if we can help other people and help other churches, you know, through that endeavor, that that's super fun. So that's that's a little bit about. I know, love it, dude. And I yeah, and, too, and, and I think it goes back to what you said. I in a, and I said this on the podcast with Hardman. Um, of course, COVID caused some things, but I think COVID revealed more than it caused. And one of the things that it revealed was, is that this centralizing aspect of either missions or service in the church, it, you know, like, you know, I think of, um, I, you know, Rhodes, when he talks about how disappointing is it that the mission that we give to our people is to serve on Sunday by handing out a bulletin or doing something like that. Now, that's a part of the thing, and that's great, and that's important, but there's so much more that we're giving our life to. And what COVID revealed was when we weren't gathered together and everything was centralized at the church or Sunday gatherings, people really began to ask themselves, am I really living on mission? What does this intentionality look like? What am I really giving my life to? And I think the healthy churches, rather than, you know, reacting to COVID, asked those questions as well and was like, man, Mm -hmm. how are we equipping our people not to live through a pandemic because that's impossible? You don't know when that's going to happen, but are we really making disciples that are waking up every day knowing that they can be intentional where they are at? and what they are doing. Yeah. So I love the KDI stuff and, and what you guys are doing. And yeah, I th- well, that was a good, it was a good heart check. I think a lot of people, you know, ask questions like, am I living where I'm supposed to live? Yes. You know, am I doing what I intended and kind of set out to do? do or does our family look the way we envisioned when we started our family? You know, wow. yeah. do our kids, like all those kinds of things. Do we have rhythms that, we're proud of that are fruitful that we want to give away. You know, we can change all this stuff. You know, like we have, that's, that's one of the greatest gifts God's given us is the, the freedom of choice and designing, yes. you know, like he gives us, I mean, that's one of the design principles, freedom. It's like, all right, here's, here's the garden. You guys make something of it, care for it, cultivate it. You yep. know, yep. I love all the parables of the stewards. It's like, all right, I gave you some stuff, you know, how do you want to invest it? Yeah. And, one of the keys for me in all this, and maybe this will help somebody, um, we're always telling, you know, God and other people what we would do if we had what that person had. Well, if I had their resources, if I had their right, gifting, right. if I had their relational connections. Especially pastors. Did, you know? Pastors are saying that more than anybody else. If <laughs> yeah, I had that staff, yeah. if I had yeah, that, if I yeah. Had enough money is Bart Cuban or, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, God's not asking you to invest what you don't have. He's asking you to invest what you do have. Let's and go. And that changes the game. Um, man, that's one of the last things. I had kind of an experience when I was with Buddy before he passed away, and I feel like I even heard God kind of speak that to my own spirit. You know, I'm not asking you to invest what you don't have. You don't have to be anybody else than who you are, but I'm asking you to invest what you do have. Wow. That means going all in. That means I'm going to leverage the money I have, the resources I have, the relationships I have, and really push it in the middle. I mean, God, that's the renegade part. Jesus wants us to take risk. Let's that go. is good. You let's know, go. let's go to the other side. He's telling us, like, we don't go over there. Well, that's where we're going. <laughs> that's you know, right. They're always 
pressing in. He must go through Samaria. Everybody was walking around with John 49. Now we're going through, and they're having these, you know, encounters with new people. That, that I mean, if that's not awakened alive in your life, if you're not going, I feel uncomfortable, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do, I don't know how this is going to turn out. If you're not having those moments regularly, you're probably not living on mission. Right. You know? Yep. And when you're in those moments, you're going, God, I'm desperate. You know, you got to show up. Help me. You yes. know, if, if you're not leading me to do this, then this is going to work. It's that guy going, I, I don't know. We're not going to have anything if I really take this step and invest in the way that I think God's calling us. So it's, it's we, and we need a community to push us into those ways. Say, you can do this. You know, you're not going to die if this fails. You know, right. if, if I'm a, Affirming, I'm hearing you tell me what you think God's leading you into, and I'm saying go for it. Okay, you know we need that support and that ecosystem. So hopefully that's what the great family is that we're, you know, learning how to be a dream factory together. Yeah, and then hopefully KDI is just putting fuel on that because it's going to look different with you and Westside. I 100%. mean, y'all's kingdom dreams are going to look different than Chris Mormon's kingdom dreams in DC. Yep. But I want to. We want to see those dreams come into pass. And if they're not, you know, we're probably not on the path that we're supposed to. Absolutely. And I'll say this, two things. Number one, it is so freeing to know that you don't have to compare your talent to the other person's talent, that God is sovereign, that he's given you what he's given you. And it's so freeing to then, rather than focusing on what you don't have, your eyes become so aware and your heart and mind begin to open to what God has given you. But secondly, I would say probably one of the most compelling things that um, thrusted us towards a relationship with the Grace Family of Churches was you guys were so interested and focused on what God is doing in Popper Bluff. You were like, what's going on here? It wasn't, this is what we do, this is proven and this works. We need you to execute X, Y, and Z this way in your context. It was, who are the people who are coming to your church? What's going on in Popper Bluff? What is God doing in this city? What's God doing in this town? Because we want to partner with that. And man, that just seemed so relational, so biblical, so beautiful um, to be a part of the Grace family of churches. That's something that's so exciting that I love getting to talk about all the time. Yeah, no, thanks for saying. I'm glad, I'm glad you guys felt that way, man. And that. I mean, I guess that's even what I, you know, that's what I spend a lot of my time on too, just going, hey, how do we, I mean, we want to hear those stories. We want to see where y'all's story goes. Yes. And then we get, because again, this is what I was saying when you're saying, when you don't compare your talent to someone else, then you actually get to celebrate coming out of other people. Yes. You know? I mean, yes. my wife is gifted in so many different ways than I am. I get to let, see her do her thing. I don't have to compete with it. Yes. I get to celebrate it and go, man, that is just amazing how you're able to, you know, create art in this way and look at the impact it's having. So I think that's how it is with all the churches. You guys are going to have this amazing story that happens and everybody else in the Grace family gets to celebrate it, gets to be a part of it and vice versa. You know, we get to celebrate with each other. So I think that's, and that's what the church needs, man. We, we don't need to compete in the church. We right. need to celebrate where there's really good fruitfulness and then we need to dig deep and say, what have we been given and how do we invest that? How do we maximize that? I mean, the the amount of things I've seen with songwriters and, you know, house fires. And I I was just in state farm arena. Our basketball arena was filled up a couple weeks ago in Mav city 
was doing worship there. I'm like, these, I know wow. these, they came out of our first church. Yes. Like, no one would have thought what was possible, but they just were planting those seeds, writing those songs, believing for a unified expression of yes. worship that yes. did not exist. And then you've got a stadium full of people that have been touched by it. And you're like, man, I will not underestimate Amen. what's possible. Amen. You know, Absolutely. God Absolutely. Small beginnings and small seeds and sprout oaks. hundred percent. Anybody can do that. Any look in the Bible. Every single person is like a nobody, a has been, a, a screw up. Yes, yes. All the greats were 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 not. No one expected anything to come out of them. David's out in the field. He didn't even get to come to the, you know, anoint the next king party. You know? Right. <laughs> yes. They're like, is there anybody else? Because he's not here yet. Like, well, there's this one guy, but you don't you don't need to see him. And he God's like, that's the guy. That's the guy. Yes. Yes. I mean, I'm telling you, so we just keep forgetting that that's how it works. I love I mean, it. Who knows? Maybe the greatest contribution that happens in the American church in the 21st century comes out of West Side Church. Amen. I'm believing it, buddy. I'm believing it. That's what we're talking about. Yes. I love it, dude. I'm believing it. I love hearing your heart, getting you fired up. Listen, Matt, I appreciate your time. I know our people are going to be blessed. Listen, for one thing, um, I just want you to share one thing that's on your heart, on your mind, just to encourage the people um, that are listening uh, to the podcast. They're mostly West Side members. We've got some pastors from across the country who listen in. But just as before you are, um, you know, at KDI, before you are the executive at the Grace Family of Churches, before you're any of that, you are a follower of Jesus. You are a follower of the way. And so what is just one thing that you would leave our people with as a fellow follower of Jesus Christ? Mm. That's really good. That's a good question, man. Um, yeah, I think it's just to to be as honest and authentic as you can to um, your relationship with God mm-hmm. and what what He's calling you into. Because it's not going to feel like a burden. It's going to feel like a easy yoke in a fun journey. I mean, mm. so that, that would be it. Jesus says, you know, follow me, follow my way. My yoke is easy. My burden's light. My yes. way is easy. Follow my way, learn the way. And I, and I do, I do that. I mean, almost every morning I'm going, it's not about the titles. It's about, you know, just that core identity. Who am I? Yes. You know, I'm on this journey with him and you know, people might misunderstand it at times. Jesus was misunderstood. Yep. You know, why yep. is he hanging out with those two? Why go to this village? Why aren't we doing this? And he fought through all that and said, I'm doing what, you know, I see the father doing. And so I'm, I, I try to live that out, man. I try to be as honest and authentic as I can in, you know, my walk with God. And I would, I would offer that to other people because, you know, what mm-hmm. if it's, what if it's easier and lighter than we sometimes make it? Right. You know, yes. and you don't get, I mean, I get there through a lot of journaling and confession and here's what I'm feeling and here's what I'm working through, but that's the place that I leave. Um, and I think 
man, that's, that's what I would hope for everybody. I love it. You you said a word that, you know, I kind of do, I really appreciate one of the disciplines or one of the helps at the beginning of the year to just kind of land on a word to help kind of guide you, meditate, Mm -hmm. marinate Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. And, um, man, honesty, I really feel like I can't get away from that word going into 2022. Mm. And and when I mean mm. honesty, um, I'll never forget, and I'll close with this, uh, I was studying a sermon in Mark about blind Bartimaeus, and N.T. Wright in his commentary, when Jesus asks blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? It's kind of like, uh, I'm blind. And so (laughs) great, great place to start, (laughs) you know, Um, or the lame beggar or anything like that. And N.T. Wright said, Jesus was asking blind Bartimaeus a question that meant more than what's on the surface. And he said, what Jesus was really saying to blind Bartimaeus is, are you ready for your life to change? Because if you really want me to heal you, then you've never worked before. And so you're going to have to work now. And you're, or the lame beggar, you're going to have to pick up your mat and never come back to this place. But N.T. Wright said that Jesus always asks somebody to do something that they're afraid of. So the person who has mm. leprosy needs to stretch out their hand and expose the leprosy. Or he needs Nahum to dip in the river and expose his leprosy or do those things. And then N.T. Wright just said, because whatever's hidden will never be healed. And I just mm-hmm. thought, man, how much in my life? And and what I mean by that, I'm not even meaning like sins. I'm not, I'm not even meaning going negative. I'm meaning like, am I honest with Jesus about my dreams and my aspirations? Mm-hmm. What am I holding back in this relationship? And then in turn, what am I holding back with fellow relationships in my life, with my wife, with my friends? I want these relationships to go through the roof. And I think really the way that that happens is through a level of honesty in those relationships of just, man, this is really who I am. And this is really where I'm wanting to go. And I want you to be a part of that. And so honesty for me is right. something that's really struck a chord. So I appreciate you saying well, that, man. Man, Matt, we appreciate you so much on being on the rest of the sermon, brother. Uh, we, people can look you up on social media. You're on Instagram. You're on Facebook. You're on all of that stuff. We cannot wait to maybe have you in the pulpit at Westside this summer or something like that. But I just can't tell you enough, man. Love what you're doing, Matt. Appreciate your leadership. The people at Westside love you guys, and we're praying for you, brother. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. You guys have an awesome week. Love you, buddy. See you, Matt. Man, I love that guy, the energy, his passion. Matt was preaching. He was preaching to us today. Well, hey, guys, we can't wait to see you this Sunday at our in-person gathering at 10 a.m. at Westside as we dive back into Advent. We're going to be talking about peace. If you can't be there in person, you can catch our live stream on Facebook at 10 a.m., and you can always go to our website at westsidepb.org to catch up on past sermons. You can give online as well, and do not forget this Sunday we are taking up the God's Money Capital campaign offering and so we are excited to see what God does in and through our obedience. Hey, we love you. We appreciate you listening in and always remember and never forget it is all about Jesus. Blessings. Blessings.